we're a family, and family always finds one another. Welcome to Storybroke! Miserably Ever After. I am the time-traveled child of a bag of hair, Madison. <laughs> and I'm pregnant. Hey! <laughs> How many weeks have we been concealing that on the show? Uh, well, I found out um, for Halloween, so I think we only taped the first one, maybe the second one, before I found out. Yikes. So most of them, because I will be... I will be 15 weeks uh, as of tomorrow of this taping. So this is in part why we have switched from recording in person, the two of us at a, at a desk, to um, using a, a digital service. I'm not going to mention it because they don't pay me. It's, it's also why we stopped mentioning what we were drinking. I am drinking this week. I'm having a, a, uh, a cup of black tea with Ooh. honey. I know. I am having a hibiscus liqueur. Ooh, hibiscus. Uh, I'm, I'm like excited to jump into this episode because the last two weeks have made me angry. <laughs> yes. And that like, this one was pretty okay. Yeah. Aside from the um, background noise of its not so well hidden pro-life message. Um, but that's kind of just the show in general. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ABC Family. It's a family network. It's fine. I will say that um, there was a running theme that was really, of the whole show, the whole series, that was really kicked in for me and made me realize this is probably why I stuck with the show when it originally came out. And that is, um, no, no real spoilers, just in general, the majority of the most capable characters are female and the dudes are regularly useless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I stuck with the show. And this episode, who hits that over the head? In no place is that clearer than with Gretel and Hansel. Gre- it's Gretel and Hansel. Let's get it clear. It is not Hansel and Gretel. It is Gretel and Hansel. <laughs> uh, and I know I... We'll, we'll get into it in a second. But I'm just like, I know that generally girl children grow a little faster than boy children at this age. Mm -hmm. But I cannot believe that these kids are the same age, let alone twins. I mean, yeah, the, the growth spurt hits different. So they're definitely fraternal. Um, Yeah. Should should we get to the basic plot? Let's get to the basic plot. Here's the basic plot. Once upon a time, Gretel and Hansel's father sent them off to collect kindling after giving them his trusted compass so that they'd always be able to find their way back to him. But when they returned, as can be predicted with these fairy tales, he was nowhere to be found. While searching for him, they crossed the path of the queen, breaking the compass as they tried to avoid being trampled by her guard's horses. The queen told them that if they helped her with the task, she'd find their father. The children agreed and she led them to the blind witch's cottage. She instructed them to steal a black leather satchel while she was sleeping. Under no circumstances were they to eat anything within the cottage. Gretel and Hansel snuck into the witch's gingerbread house, which was filled to the brim with every dessert the hungry children could wish for. Just as Gretel acquired the black leather satchel from the sleeping witch's collection, Hansel gave in to temptation and took a giant bite out of a cupcake. 
The blind witch awoke instantly and magically imprisoned the children, intent on roasting them for her supper. Gretel was able to trick the witch into taking her first, getting the key for Hansel so he could free himself from the prison. As he escaped and grabbed a weapon to help Gretel, he tripped, which told the witch where he was. During the ensuing scuffle, Gretel pushed the witch onto the roasting rack and the children pushed her into her own oven and locked her in. The children returned to the queen and gave her the satchel, which contained a bright, beautiful red apple. The children requested she now help them find their father. The queen asked why they'd want to go back to a father who abandoned them and offered them a home with her in the castle. Though Hansel was tempted, Gretel fiercely declined her offer because her terrible nature could never match the love for their own father. The queen angrily transported them to the middle of the enchanted forest and called her guards to her. They brought her the father, who they'd captured in the forest while his children were collecting kindling. Jealous that the children chose him over her and her fortune, she cursed them, saying they'd only be together again when they found one another. In Storybrooke, Emma discovers that two local child miscreants are orphans, stealing to get by, and trying their best not to be discovered and split up by social services. Emma, who is haunted by her own past in the foster system, vows to find their father, who doesn't know they exist. Using a compass their late mother gave them, a token she kept of the one-night stand that resulted in her twins, Emma tracks down a local mechanic who declines to take the children in. Under orders from the mayor, Emma sadly begins to drive the children to Boston, to their separate foster homes. As luck would have it, her engine stalls on the way out of town and she has to call a mechanic. As the tow truck draws near, the the children's compass springs to life, and as the mechanic makes eye contact with his twins, the curse is broken, at least in part, and a family is happily reunited. That night, a mysterious stranger rides into town on a motorcycle, the second stranger ever to enter Storybrooke. Okay, so let's start with Gretel and Hansel's story, an interesting retelling of an old classic that is loved every time we have to do an improv fairy tale. I, I've, you know, I'm so, I've seen so many retellings of Gretel and Hansel, and I really like that this one for this show actually didn't change too much. It just kind of kept it to the basics. I, I do like that there wasn't another evil stepmother in thrown in because the original Hansel and Gretel has an evil stepmother as the reason that the children are lost in the forest. Like she's tired of feeding them. And so she convinces her husband it's time to lose them. Yeah, in this case, we have the quintessential evil stepmother, Regina. Regina, everyone's evil stepmother. Everybody's evil stepmother, Regina. And I, I was very happy to see a loving father who wanted to find his children again. Yeah. We don't know that till the end of it, because um, he just disappears. And it, they're led to believe, every everyone is led to believe they're just abandoned. Even this, the fairy tale book of Henry's says, oh yeah, he abandoned them. Yeah, I mean, we do have a nice little audio cue when the uh, when he disappears in in the past. In, yeah, uh, I heard it in my surround sound. There's like a loud ah. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes the children run in the first place. Yes, but we don't really know what happened until you know. I don't want to get to it yet. We'll get to I it. I assumed. I assumed. From I mean, maybe it's because I've seen it before. Um, but I was like, oh, she got him. She got him. She likes their spunk. Is that how we're going to phrase it? You don't like that word? 
I'm sorry. I remember it from I remember it from uh, a cartoon, um, uh, Rescue Rangers. You got yeah. spunk. Thanks. That, I yeah. hate spunk. Uh, Essentially, you know yeah. Use that word. Okay. No, but yeah. I mean, no, you're right. Essentially, the the uh, the father gives his kids uh, his compass, sends them off on their way, and that is kind of how that's our our little plot device, both in the old story and the new one. Regina likes that they're they're looking she she thinks it's sweet that they're looking for their father but she needs them for something and the fact that they tried to run away and that gretel i want to point something out hold up i'm going back a little bit yeah no 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 so gretel and hansel are collecting kindling or at least they're supposed to be when we see them collecting kindling we see gretel's arms full of kindling and hansel playing with a slingshot and so she's loading the wheelbarrow and she takes the slingshot away from him because it's time to go back. And he gets all defiant. Give it back. It's mine. And she's like, nope, time to go back to dad. So at least at least he had the courtesy to push the wheelbarrow and let her lead the way after she had done all the work. This is part one of Hansel being useless. Yeah. I mean, it's not just because she's taller that Gretel feels like the older child. Yes. She's way more responsible. She gets more lines. She delivers them better. No, make fun of children, Mads. Don't make fun of children, Mads. It is not this kid's fault that this script could have easily been written without him in it. This is true. They only needed him to eat that cupcake later. Yeah. It's the only reason they needed it because the old fairy tale they were playing with was Hansel and Gretel, and he's a plot device. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate the CGI vines. No, that was cool. I was excited. I was excited. Okay, so yeah. So the queen uh, I was excited to chases see, them. Yeah. I was excited to see her do magic again. And we got to see her teleport. Yes. You know, we, we haven't seen her poof in a while. Yeah. You know, later on in the show, everyone's going to poof. Everyone's going to have their own color smoke for when they poof. Yes. But this was nice to see her just like bloop. Mm-hmm. I was like, yay. I, I got really excited whenever the kids ran away after Gretel like slingshotted a guard and knocked him over. When she just poofed and caught them, I was like, oh, she's doing magic again. I forgot she uh, can do that. Yeah, she's like a magic person. Like we she forget do that, that she does it because she hasn't done anything these few episodes. It's, it's episode nine and we haven't seen her do like magic magic in a while. We've seen her like rip someone's heart out, but yeah. like not magic magic. We um, will see her do some serious magic later in the episode because Disney, I think, decided that maybe primetime television is not a good place to have children do murder. Hmm. Yeah, fair. I mean, the children definitely had a part in that murder. <laughs> they, they definitely did part of that murder. Um, but she made it worse. She made it faster. Yeah. Um, okay. So so she agrees to help them find her, their dad. If they mm-hmm. will do a thing for her. And the only reason she can't do it herself is because there's magic on this blind witch's house that isn't effective on children. Right. So, but they don't eat anything. And then she reveals that it's the gingerbread house. It's a gingerbread house made of candy and goodies and all this stuff. Um, and, and this is the kind of thing I love in this show. Like, I don't need to have the details of why the magic on the house doesn't work on children. Yeah. It's fairy tale rules. And I appreciate the simplicity of, I need children to do this I mean, because the magic doesn't work on children. Well, there's, there's also the reason it doesn't work on children is because uh, the blind witch is luring them in to eat them. Yeah, but they, they don't <laughs> ever have to say it. They, they can don't just have show to say that. that. Yeah. And, yeah. 
I like it. And after weeks of so many things just being exposition. Yeah, it was nice to just, okay, we're going to go to this blind witch's house. And I Hmm. haven't watched this episode since it was on initially. Oh. And so I, you know, well, I was so excited to rewatch it when I saw who the blind witch was. Well, I'm, I'm, I want to get to one moment before we get to that exciting actress. Um, there's a moment where Regina reveals the house to Gretel and Hansel, and Gretel looks very seriously at the house, and Hansel looks at her with this look that's like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to eat something in that house. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to mess this up." Yeah. And then we go in, and there's a sleeping witch, and Gretel's like, "Remember." Not even a lick. And uh, Sleeping Witch is... Emma Caulfield. Emma Caulfield Ford. But she is credited back at this point as Emma Caulfield. Anya is here. Anya is here. I want to say that um, Mads and I will sometimes message each other when we're watching the show. Uh-huh. And uh, you were watching this on one of your breaks at work or something. Yes. And and you, you put, Emma Caulfield is here. And my first response was, at your office? Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's she's in your job. I was like, no, no, no. But she's, she's in this episode. Oh, I was so freaking excited. I, what I, was great was uh, I had just watched, um, I had just watched uh, WandaVision the night before. Uh, mm. If you haven't watched it yet, it's, it's, That's right. she's it's starting that. off pretty well. She's in that. She appears in episode two. And I was like, oh my God, I got Anya. And then the next day I'm like, I get two Anya. I, I love Emma Caulfield. I, I will watch it. If she's in it, I don't care if it's bad. I just, I think she's delightful. She gets all yes. the best lines on Buffy. Yes. And they, or she's my favorite. Her over so badly in the finale. Like I get someone had to die, yeah. but just like, how I feel when um, Buffy spoilers to come, by the way, uh, the show's, <laughs> it, spo- there are no spoilers for a show that went off the air 20 years ago. Right. Huh. Um, just like when Tara died. Oh God. I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It have been Xander. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Should have been Xander. Xander think- died like 20 times in that whole show. Um I would love for it to have been Xander. And then that sets Willow off the same way because that is her best best friend since childhood. Yeah. And uh, then her true love is who talks her off the ledge. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been better? That would have been way better. Because I'm sorry. I know that Buffy fandom gets gets obsessed with the yellow crayon speech, but I hate it Um, because I hate Xander. Anywho, back to the show we actually are talking about. Back to Emma Caulfield. I didn't realize I was trying so hard to figure out who this actress was, but I was so I was so uncomfortable with how good of an actress she is, because as soon as Hansel bites into that cupcake, you knew he was going to do it. Oh, yeah. She wakes up and is like orgasmically excited about the meal to come. She's so horny to eat these she's kids. She's so horny to eat these kids and she's so breathless about it. And I was just so uncomfortable. And I was like, who is this actress? I can't even focus. I just love that she <laughs> it was amazing. Um, I loved this take because it could have been like your normal, like, oh, creepy evil witch. But instead she was excited static about her next meal and i loved it she was like a fey creature almost i I loved her costuming um which is the best costuming in the episode probably for me at least um but the bar is pretty low 
Uh, <laughs> as you pointed out, Hansel has uh, highlights. Hansel has caramel highlights in the Enchanted Forest. And Gretel has zippers on her shoes. That's so, fine. I didn't, buy, I didn't even notice the zipper shoes. Oh, um, and Regina's amazing fake ponytail is just barely the wrong hair color. Yeah, it. I don't know. Just barely. It my screen, but just it looked. Barely. It was pretty glaring on mine. Was, and I was like, it was. Mm. It's. It's like it matched whenever they were in the tent, but as soon as they got in natural lighting, it was a different shade of black. Um, yeah. But uh, so so. So Blind Witch O-faces her wet herself all over this, talking about if she's wondering if she's going to base these children in gravy or butter. And she's just like screaming gravy or butter. Gravy or butter. And oh, I Gretel love it. is desperately trying to give Hansel a hero moment. Like, okay, she, she wants to eat you first. So what you're going to do is like, she gives this whole plan. And this is the thing in improv. If you're going to tell me about it, I don't want to see it in the next scene. So, of course, he, she's like, here's the whole plan. She's going to grab you. You're going to get the key. You're going to give me the key, and then we're going to take care of her, and it will be fine. He's like, nope, can't do it. I'm scared. I'm going to die. And so she's like, fine. She puffs herself up like she's him and gets taken Which, first, and she does the thing. That was so comical to me because, one, that kid is, um, he's willowy. Yeah. And, two, yeah. she is already so much larger than him. I know. Like, so it doesn't make any sense unless you know the story. Yeah. But it, it, it worked it, in the it, episode. And it was just an odd direction. Like she like it, it's she was trying so hard to give her brother a moment to be a hero. It's like even in this moment where they're gonna die, she's like, I have more faith in you than I should. You can do this. <laughs> and he said, Nope. So Yeah. So but another another moment of weirdness is uh, can I, I, yes, I mean we know what happens. Yeah, they just yeah, her they plan works, they push her into the oven. He's yeah. like, lock her in while she's already locking her in. Like Gretel's already on it, bro. Thanks for trying to be helpful. Yeah. The staging of them actually pushing her into the oven was weird to me. It wasn't clear what was happening. Yeah. I only was able to parse it because again, I know the story. Yeah. And so if you're not familiar with Hansel and Gretel, you would be confused. But again, it, I mean we know she's getting pushed into the oven. Yeah. And locked in there instead of instead of them. Yes. Um, and she, you know. Yeah. And then we get to hear her pleading for her life, let us out, let us out, let us out. There is a fire. But the fire's so far back that you know she's just gonna like slowly dehydrate. She's still gonna die. These children yeah. are still know they're murdering this woman. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> she's still gonna she, die. We have but seen she that she, them. Yeah. She has the ability to move things magically. Yeah, but so she should be able to magically move whatever's blocking. It's just the a oven. lock. Also, there are big old grates on that lock. She could probably fit her arm through it, but she's not used to it from that side. So I don't yeah. know. Um, there's a moment of shock. So yeah. you know, she's gonna have a rough couple days if she doesn't get out, you know. Um so then we go to the queen who's watching via her magic mirror and she makes it quick and quick and painful. Yes. She, she poofs the fire. She poofs the fire up and. Uh, yeah. She throws a fireball through the magic mirror and it blasts in the oven and it goes off big time. Yes. Uh, which is fun. Uh, we didn't talk about the set for the uh, the witch's cabin, but I loved okay, it. Okay, the witch's cabin. I said, "Wow, that's a theater program with a budget." It was much like her performance. 
the right level of over the top. It was beautifully over the top. Yeah, it it was definitely built to trap children, and I I thought it was great. Which is why it worked on me. (laughs) It looked like something from the big performing arts center. Um, Like, well, good, good, good budget. Yeah. Because, I mean, for me, anytime, uh, anytime this show is like, right on the edge of camp i'm i'm at my happiest i know and so this is this episode gave me a lot that i enjoyed with this whole storyline uh, and also you know hansel and gretel gretel and hansel is one of my favorites so it's yeah. nice to see <laughs> so so they go back to the queen they bring her the satchel it has the red poison apple that we know as a plot device for later um mm-hmm. and hansel is indignant that they risked their lives over an apple yeah. Um, he's indignant. How dare she? <laughs> and then she, Gretel is, of course, on task. And it's like, okay, we did our part. You do your part. And Regina's like, or not. Or you could come be my kids. Come we, live in the castle. It's, it's obvious this woman is lonely, but refuses to be a good person to fix that. I don't think she knows how to be a good well, person anymore at she, this point in the series. She absolutely doesn't. <clears throat> and, um, She's like your fa- she she tells them your father abandoned you. Like why would you want someone who doesn't want you? Like using her usual manipulation to get her way. Mm-hmm. And Hansel is like, "Wait, we could live in the castle and it would be cool." Like Hansel's like going for it. He's down. Um but Gretel, of course, is the non-useless sibling. I mean, I was with Hansel here because I was like, "You mean this like near drag woman could be my mom i love her cobalt buttons on this black outfit she's got riding pants that yeah, castle cool. is like that ca- castle's like a goth dream yeah i mean this is my new mom sure yeah mm-hmm. but i don't have the best relationship with my father Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know your circumstance is different these kids do have a good relationship with their father and gretel pulls hansel back to life back to the moment i was like no we don't want to stay with you. We want our dad who actually loves us. Also, you're a terrible person and we don't want to live with someone this horrible because she had just admitted that she had sent several other children to their deaths to try to get this satchel. And they were the first who had ever done it. Like Gretel realizes how close they were to death because of this woman. Yeah. And uh, so she's mad about that and she magics them away. Mm-hmm. And... After a little while, she's looking in her her mirror again. This is a favorite line that has nothing to do with the storyline. She's watching Snow White because she she mentions that the apple is for someone who currently thinks she's still safe. Mm-hmm. And she's watching Snow White walk and she's walking with the dwarves and she says, now she's cavorting with dwarves? When did that happen? <laughs> and <laughs> I just love that little throwaway line. And then the guards come in and they have father. And She's like, why'd they choose you over me? She doesn't get it. And he said, we're family. And they're a family with a good relationship. So they actually like each other. And she doesn't like that. So she curses them. The children have been sent to somewhere in the middle of the huge enchanted forest. And he's just let go to go find them. Mm -hmm. Good luck. You will be together again when you find each other. And uh, that's that. Yep. that's, That's that on that. That's it. Do we have anything else to say about the the backstory to Gretel and Hansel? Uh, no, it was other than zipper shoes and frosted tips. I love the <laughs> costuming. 
Yeah. I loved Gretel's big braids. Like I actually braided my hair while I was watching the episode. I had a little French braid down one side of my head for it. Um, I tried to take a picture, but it looked ratty. Um, the dad was kind of hot. The dad was super hot. Uh, I'm, you know. I'm surprised she didn't just say, hey, your kids don't want to come live with me. Why don't you come be my husband? We'll have a family. I mean, uh, I don't know. She could have handled it differently is what I'm saying. Yeah, she should have gone for him. She should have gone for him. I mean, instead of, you know, I mean, she's already got one man under duress. This is true. Mm. This is true. Okay, so uh, I think now we can switch over to Storybrooke. Let's go to uh, Ava and Nicholas. Um, right off the bat, I noticed like, oh, he's reading a Marvel comic. And I, I don't think Disney had acquired Marvel. At no, that they point. hadn't. Um, but. I'm going to ask you now in the middle of the episode before we get into this, just because I'm curious uh-huh. if, if a Marvel character were to wind up in Storybrooke, who would you want it to be? Oh God, this is on the spot. Um, well, because of the strong female influence, um, I want Captain Marvel there because she's a badass. Oh Yes. <laughs> just like imagine like oh and on this page of the storybook um we need to help this lesbian rediscover her powers yeah um yeah. I don't know. She, she goes against regina and, and she just looks at her and like blows her back 20 feet and she's like so who's your problem mm-hmm. just, just just flicks her wrist and there she goes no who's no really who's your problem <laughs> just uh yeah so, i need to so watch that movie again for me, it would be um, they would have a, a nice, um, well-tempered, kind of quiet, uh, blue-haired priest <laughs> who would turn out to be, you know, Kurt Wagner, the incredible Nightcrawler. I know um, it. <laughs> for those who are not aware, um, Nightcrawler was my, like, I, want, I don't want to say first crush because my first crush was on a sad bird. Yes. Um, but uh, Animorphs, shout out. But yeah, no, I love Kurt. I like that. I knew I knew that someone was uh someone made the comment on Facebook the other day. The post was like, "Don't tell me your astrological sign. Tell me who your favorite X Men is." And we were just everyone was waiting for you to show up and say Nightcrawler. <laughs> Nightcrawler. Like, people, people were tagging Mads, saying, "Waiting for Mads to come <laughs> in here." Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. <laughs> I just think he's neat. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I will say um, I almost made uh, Marvel slash DC fans very angry because I forgot for half a second that Wonder Woman was DC. Oop. I was about to say Wonder Woman and I stopped and recorrected and Marvel was a good choice. That's because uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman got a good movie. So it clearly couldn't be a DC. That's why I thought it was a Marvel movie. Her movie was good. I haven't watched 1984 yet. I hear mixed things, but I'm probably still going to enjoy it just for the record. Yeah. It looks like really long, but it also looks high camp. So I will probably enjoy it. I will probably still enjoy it. We, yes. sh- we should sync watch that one together. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, so, so back to the episode? Back to the episode. I, yeah. <laughs> back to the episode. I did enjoy it. I just am in ADD mode today. No, no. We're not going scene by scene. So we obviously enjoyed this one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the the uh, this, this girl comes and starts talking to Henry and he does this thing that drives me nuts when boys oh, do boys do it which is like he's so happy to talk to her and then another boy starts talking to her and they seem close and he's just like instantly like oh yeah that's a 
That's sort of a 12-year-old thing. Well, he's still 10, huh? An older girl was talking to him. Yeah. I'll allow it because he is a tiny baby. But we've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley. And every time Clint gets on screen in an early scene, I'm just like, ugh. Look, Go to hell, Clint. All my homies hate Clint. Look, when I made my when I made my last Stardew Valley character, um, I, I had already in my in my previous Stardew Valley, I had already married the doctor, who's like the only eligible adult male in in there. And uh, so, whenever I made my second Shane's character, there. Eh, he's a uh, disaster. He's a disaster, and I'm not here to fix people. Uh, <laughs> he, I I made my second character, and it was so close between Lee and Emily. But the next time I picked Lee, but the next time I'm I'm picking Emily because she deserves so much better than just having Clint mope after her all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Team Emily. Team uh, Emily. So back to the episode. <laughs> 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 I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too. Okay. So so they they used him as a distraction. Oh no, Sneezy is uh, Mr. Clark, who yeah. is the clerk. Mr. Clark the clerk. The shopkeeper mm-hmm. sneezes his way through accusing them of stealing something. And sure enough, Henry's got candy and like necessities stuffed in his backpack, um, which tells me that Nicholas slash Hansel at least is stealthy in one world. Yes. Because he was not stealthy in the other world. Um, we don't see the necessities until a little later. We just see the candy bars at first. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we see the necessities when uh, Regina is called in and they empty out his backpack and then we see it's not just the candy. I, I had to laugh when she was like, my son doesn't eat candy. But just a few episodes ago, whenever he was with Dr. Hopper stuck in the mine, he had brought candy bars in case they got hungry. Uh-huh. Yeah. So once again, she does not know her own son. Yeah. Uh, my my child doesn't eat candy. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I did okay, like ma'am. I did like her her embarrassing uh, faux pas of when Emma walks in. She's like, "This has nothing to do with you being his biological mother. This is a family thing. Please stay out of it." And she's like, uh, "I'm the sheriff, though." I'm the sheriff, and some children did a crime. Yeah, she's like, "Oh yes, well then do your job." Like that's the most ruffled we see her. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, I'm a little bothered by the fact that, like, well, my child couldn't have done this. Clearly, it's these poors. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, th- these poors had the school uniform. And, uh, yeah, they're just tiny little miscreants. They're sweet. Yep. Um, now, this is another episode where we get to see Emma's superpower because immediately <laughs> she is wary of these kids. But, like, in a in a fellow, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna out it in a fellow orphan way. Uh, they they gave Sneezy a number that doesn't connect to anything. Um, they're they're stealing things that are not only candy but also like necessities to get by. I can't remember exactly what they were, but there were a couple things that were like home objects. Yeah, um, I, I think this this is an episode where we really get a feel for her character. In a much deeper way. Yeah. And we start to see a lot of why she is the way she is. I mean, if, you know, we're, you know, I'm not gonna say if we're to believe, but, you know, based on what she says about her, her childhood, she's, she's doing pretty great. Yeah. In terms of being able to build personal relationships and attachments, because Mm -hmm. a lot of children that come out of those situations struggle a lot more as an adult. So, yes. 
I, I think that this is this is a great episode for that to really learn more about Emma as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me like her more. Yeah, um, this was a good soft Emma episode. Mm-hmm. This was a good episode for she has a softer side, and and it exists, and it's not all just walls and anger. Yes. Um, so she brings these kids to where they say is home. She bought all the stuff for them because they're just trying to help out a, a rough situation. She assumes it's their family, but she's still kind of wary about it. And she asks them as she's dropping them off, hey, is there really something going on that I should know about, Sheriff? And they're like, nope, we're fine, bye. And they wait for her to pull off. And she tells them about her superpower. She warns them, if you lie to me, I'll know. They're like, nah, we're good. And as she pulls off, they don't actually live at the house Mm-hmm. They run off. They living. They're living in a basement under an abandoned house or something like that. That's what it seems like. And she follows them there. Um, she's like, "Why'd you lie to me? Told you, told you I'd find out." And that's when she finds out they've been orphans for several years. They're just trying to get by. They don't want to be separated. Now, I have a point here. How long have these twelve-year-olds been twelve? Yeah. I mean, I understand that prior to Emma coming to town, time was essentially frozen. The and only it, person aging was Henry. The only person aging was Henry. And the rest of the townspeople don't really notice that he's aging and no one else is. Yeah. And uh, in Graham's episode, you know, when he talks to um, Mary Margaret and he's yes. asking, like, how did we meet? That's like when the cracks start to yeah. show. Really, how long because, have we known each other? Yeah. She can't She can't recall how long it is. And so just like Cinderella's been pregnant for 18 years or whatever. Poor baby. Jesus. Um, until the curse is lifted and she can finally you know, deliver this child. Yeah. You were pregnant when we recorded that episode. No, I was. <laughs> when I was like, oh my God, what a nightmare. At the, the time, I was like, hey, we need to switch seats because I have to be closer to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, I have to be closer to the bathroom. Oh, that has all mm-hmm. passed. Um, yeah, so these these people have been stuck in stasis. Like, their story is that a few years ago, their mother died. Mm-hmm. No one knows who, no one has any, rec- like, Mary Margaret has no recollection of this right. dead mother. Like no one knows that's how long she's been dead. She doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and In classic Disney fashion. Huh? In classic Disney fashion. Classic Disney fashion. No one knows where mama died. Uh, God. A woman is dead. We will never see her. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter how long she's been dead. She's gone. Yeah. Her name is Dory Zimmer. She, she's given a name. Uh, and, and a German surname to reflect that the Hansel and Gretel story is a Germanic folktale. Yes. Or uh, maybe it was just a quick name they grabbed. I'm giving them some credit. So on, on a point we're going to talk, on a conversation we'll talk about later because it's important in its own way. Henry gives Emma an idea that all orphans, oh, well, before that, she tries to find their birth certificates to figure out who their dad is. Yeah. Because she doesn't want to call foster care. And put them in the system because she had such a, she had an awful time. She had a stereotypical, all the bad things that could happen in foster care happen to her time. And yeah. she's scared of that happening to anyone else. Now, I personally have friends who are foster parents um, and they are good foster parents. And several of them actually adopted 
their foster children and they are their children now. That's the case for my aunt and uncle who, you know, they had, uh, they have two children. Uh, They were not sure if they wanted to adopt or if they wanted to have biological children. And as soon as they were approved to become foster parents uh, to a, a very young infant uh, who has, he has some issues of his own, but they became pregnant and then they fought to adopt this child. So they have two boys um, that are both almost the same age and that, you know, Good, good foster parents exist is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so much like the, much like the stereotypical evil stepmother trope that this show is built on, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with the, all of the foster system is bad. Yes. Message of this one. I understand that this character is coming from it from a bad place. Um, and she's just trying to prevent that from happening to her. Her bigger fear is that they will be separated and never see each other again. And I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, it's part of the internal politics of the show that we've talked about yes. before. The the writers of this show tell on themselves with scenes like this. You know, adoption, adoption is not your real parent. Ugh. An adoptive parent is not your real parent. Fostering is bad. And we'll get to it in a second. But this show has that kind of message that. Yeah. Only your natural birth parents should be raising you. Which is false. Yes, we vehemently refute this concept. We, we don't agree with this. But that is a strong uh, idea that even when it's not expressed directly in the show, the actions of characters, implications of story developments and plots heavily hint at that. Yes. and And, and that bothers me. So the person who is, of course, turning them into foster care, who got to the the birth certificate before Emma could, is obviously the evil stepmother of the show. Yes. Regina has already gotten their birth certificates and called foster care about them. There's no father listed on the thing, so he might as well not exist. He's probably not even in town, which is false because it's Storybrooke. Um, And so she's going to send them off to Boston. There's a boy's home and a girl's home waiting for both of them tonight. You have to get them there because you're the sheriff and that's your job. Which is the last thing Emma wants to do. Right. Because of her own miserable upbringing that led her to jail when she was 17 and 18. She, she, Like you said, she had a rough life and she took her time as an adult to get herself out of it. But she built up her walls because of it. This is a case for me where Regina's motivations to keep these children away from their father aren't entirely clear to me. I mean, I... Except that she's set up as the antagonist. Because it's still, it's a reflection of them turning her down. She can't Mm. let other people be happy. That would be their happy ending. And no one gets a happy ending but Regina. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's a continuation of no one gets a happy ending but me. So yeah. if days if if they find each other, then she's failed. Right. And so all she has to do is make sure they don't find each other. Luckily, Mr. Gold's in town. And yep. uh Emma had the idea she recalls that one thing she knew for certain from her time in foster care was all of her fellow foster children had something of their parents. They had something yep. to remind them. And she so has she has baby blanket. She has her baby blanket. So she says, What do you have anything from your dad? Did your mom give you anything from your dad? Turns out mom 
gave them a compass that's supposed to have belonged to their dad. And it is the compass, the one we know of. So she takes it to Mr. Gold. And Mr. Gold knows exactly where it came from because he's the one who sold it. And he's good with names, but for a price. And this is a good exchange. She's like, what's your price? And he says, forgiveness. She's like, we'll start with tolerance. He's okay with that. So she's still mad about that whole, you know, exploding the town hall thing. Yeah. Episode, which I almost forgot about because that episode was so. Like that just happened. And then we're just happened. like. Already forgot it. Like I said, you know. <laughs> No effort to investigate this crime or solve it because... But she already knows. Yeah. So so he gives her the name um, Michael Tillerman is what mm. I got. I rewound it twice. That's all I could hear. Who owns yeah. the mechanic shop in town that um, character Billy that we've seen a couple times flirting with Ruby also works. Yes. But he owns the shop. And he's already having a hard time keeping the shop open. And so when she says, you've got twins, and he was like, well, that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, he, it turns out this was a one-night stand. He met this girl, Dory, while he was camping. There's no way he could have children. They only did it once. Nice gift for a one-night stand, though. Yeah. Well, she took it. She stole it. Okay. <laughs> she took it. He lost it. He said he lost it. She took it. Or it okay. or he well, good for her. Maybe it maybe it's one of those things where they they did stuff in her tent and it it fell out of his stuff on his way out. And so she just kept it because she couldn't find him after that because camping. You know, I really wish we could meet mom. She's like hooking up with dudes on camping trips, stealing jewelry, like <laughs> about her she sounds like that kind of lady i'm giving her the benefit of the doubt and you're like she took a token (laughs) i'm like get it girl (laughs) and then she she ended up with two more tokens the twins uh and never like she didn't put him on the birth certificate she never told them about him except oh yeah this compass came from your dad that's it that's all they know so Emma gives this impassioned plea i know you loved this you had several lines from this that you liked impassioned Mm -hmm. plea about you know, don't put them in the system. They need their father right now. Don't break this family apart. You have a family. Yeah, you have children and you have a, a responsibility to them. Because, and I want to thank Elaine because like when I wrote when I wrote what I wrote about it, she was like, we need to address this because it does fall into this other kind of logic. And I was like, no, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I said that, you know, if you choose to have children, you have a responsibility to those children. Uh-huh. Um, and, you, and yeah, you know, you corrected me and you're like, make sure you make it clear that, you know, having sex is not consent to become a parent. It's not. And those are different things. And so I was like, my, my whole thing is if you're going to have a one night stand, wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap yeah. it up or pull it out. At least try. <laughs> we don't know what happened. He <laughs> might've tried. <laughs> he probably didn't. This is ABC. Yeah. Uh, and I've uh, never seen a condom on like, ABC. He's like, we only did it once, and she's like, that's all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, so while she makes this impassioned plea, that makes a lot of good sense from her standpoint as a kid who was in foster care, as an orphan who never knew her family, who's mad at her own parents for not taking the responsibility to keep her safe all her life. That her impassioned plea makes sense, but we have to be careful because it does tread some. Pro-life ground. 
Yeah. Like, and yeah. I hesitated to say that because I don't, I don't want to be the the next, you know, Twitter star. Um, um, no, I'll, <laughs> I'll say it and I will take the heat because that's exactly what it is. And it ties in even more into, once again, the internal politics, the internal ideology of the show. Because um, jumping ahead a bit, when he sees the children, that's when he, you know, changes his mind about but wanting make, to have children. That makes sense to me because that's the breaking of the curse for them. That's the breaking of their curse. So I didn't have as much problem with that because... He, the curse had him going, no, I'd be a terrible father. I'm no one's father. I can't be a father. That's the curse keeping him from his happiness in this point. But the curse in this point is very pointed. The curse at this point is very pointed and very specific, but this is not the only instance of this happening in the show. Um, It happens with Cinderella and it happens with Emma as well. And it is a very common pro-life trope of the second you see that baby, and yep. you know it's yours. Yep. You, you would regret it. having, you're going to love it. And, you know, maybe there's some reality to that for a lot of people, but the absolute way it is shown in this show, we're on episode nine, and this is now the third time this is happening. Yeah. I think that that is part of, again, the politics of the show. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the writer's ideas about parents and family kind of peeking out from the cracks. Oh, I just realized how bad it's going to get in later seasons. Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, I'm cringing about it. Um, we don't even have Bal so, first. Bal so, yet. Yeah. Ball. <laughs> Balefire. Ball isn't here. Ball isn't no, here. not Balefire. Ball. <laughs> Ball. I don't know what you're talking about. Bell. Oh. The way he says Bell. It sounds, sounds like the Ball. same the way he says both of them. Um, and, unless he just calls him Bay. Uh, Okay. Let's not read into the fact that his child is named Bale and his, the woman he falls for, who is like 30 years younger than him, is named Bale. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not read into that. Let's read more into this story, though. Um, yes. So he declines. She has to break her promise to the kids to drive them off. She is. Uh, Henry reminds her that they can't leave town. She can leave town, but they shouldn't be able to leave town. Something bad is going to happen. So mm-hmm. as they're driving down the road, her car stalls out and she yep. has to call the mechanic. And luckily, Michael is the mechanic who comes and the the compass whirs to life and the kids turn around and they all make eye contact. And for them, the curse is broken in that moment. And it turns out Emma faked her engine stalling out. I'm not that good with cars. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, it's not clear if she faked it. Or she, said, what. she said her car was fine. Yeah. She said her car was fine. Um, and she called him. I, I don't know how you... I'm sure there's a way that you can stall out an engine, uh, especially on an old sheriff mobile like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I, that, old, uh, that Ford Crown Vic? I used to drive a 1984 F-150 and the engine would stall out enough on its own. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it had an idle problem. Um, but... It works. She returns them. And that's Ava and Nicholas's happy ending. Mm-hmm. And Michael. Michael's happy ending, too. Uh, thoughts? No. Um, I, I do want to talk about, you know, some of the other things that happen in Storybrooke. But this well, no, no, uh, well, I'm, story goes, I'm good. I, I'm, all right. So next we're going to move on to. Uh, 
I said and, my piece about how it's a uh, secret pro-life propaganda. Yes. So I'm good. So while, <clears throat> while Emma is trying to figure out how to find these children's father, Henry comes and talks to her at the station and asks her about his father. Mm-hmm. And Emma tells this beautiful, sweet story about an aspiring firefighter who used to come into the diner she worked at. And he would always order like coffee and pie, but he would always complain that there was no pumpkin pie. And they hung out a few times after that. They got along real well. Um, And right before she went to jail, she found out she was pregnant. She tried to contact him and found out that he had tried to save a family from a burning apartment and heroically died in the blaze, but the family was safe. And Mm -hmm. so she wasn't the hero. He was. And then she went to jail and had him. Mm -hmm. And he takes this to heart so much so that he buys her pumpkin pie later in the show um, to kind of bond with her about it. Um, She reveals to Mary Margaret later that the story was a big old lie. Yeah. Henry did not inherit his mother's superpower. No. I'm sure, though, that based on the relationship Henry and Emma have that her lying to him like this will definitely not have future repercussions absolutely, or affect their, um, how they see each other at all. Not at all. And that he will absolutely not then look at her in a way very similar to how he looks at Regina, who also frequently lies to him claiming that it's to protect him. It's not like we're going to have an, uh, a rebellious teenage phase or anything. Nope. Later seasons. It's not like we're going to see Henry become a teenager or anything. Oh, God, that would be horrible. I really don't want to see that. Uh, Well, luckily, there are 22 episodes for this season, so it'll take us a while to get there. (laughs) It is a very sweet story. Yes. And she's like, no. (laughs) His father was no saint. Uh, He's about as bad as me. I won't tell him. She almost tells him later whenever she's she's sitting in her... um, her sheriff mobile. I keep forgetting mm-hmm. what it's called. Her sheriff mobile. Her police cruiser. Yeah, and she's her cop car. That she's looking in a file because she's already established that she still hasn't found her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, she's looking in a file of newspaper clippings from when she was found, in which a seven-year-old boy found her on the side of the road, and one of the headlines is "No sign of deadbeat parents." Um. And Henry, it is late at night. (laughs) She was supposed to have been driving to Boston. It's dark, but she didn't drive to Boston because dad showed up. Mm -hmm. And Henry shows up with a pumpkin pie. He's out way too late by himself. I don't understand why this child is out. But there he is. And gives her pumpkin pie. And she almost tells him that she lied to him. And then she changes her mind and says, I'm Mm -hmm. glad I told you. And that doubling down on it Mm -hmm. will come back to bite her later. I don't remember how it does, to be fair. I do not remember how it does. It's been too long since I've seen this show. Yeah, it's this is sweet. And she's trying. And I think she feels that she's doing what's best here. It's the story he needs right now. Yes. Um. It's just going to come to a head later, spoilers, yeah. before she has a chance to really yeah. address it. Like I said, I don't remember how. 
Um, um, okay, and anything else about the firefighter? Uh, no, I think we should. Right, uh, next. We should just go ahead and wrap up this scene. So there's a cute moment. There, there are two more. I have two more points. Two more points. Okay. Oh, you want to wrap up this scene? Okay. I want to wrap up this scene, okay. and then we'll talk about uh, the cute moment. Another thing that Henry mentions in this whole thing is um, how different she is from everyone. Whenever they're trying to establish that Dad has to be from still be here because no one leaves here and no one comes here. And she's like, well, I did. He's like, yeah, but you're different. You're the only person, only stranger who has ever come here. So as she's eating that pumpkin pie, they hear a motorcycle. And a guy pulls up, asks where he can find an inn. She asks his name. He says, I didn't give it. He mysteriously rides off. She says, smoking hot. (laughs) She says, I thought you said strangers don't come to Storybrooke. And he says, they don't. Now, I had a moment. There's a... um, there is a uh, a topical news item related to the entertainment industry right now. <laughs> Just Elaine texting me frantically over Twitter like, wait, wait, he's not the cannibal guy, right? <laughs> no, I had to IMDB this actor because, um, can I say his name? Can I just say his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had just seen a picture for the first time of Army Hammer. And I was like, oh, crap, he looks familiar. And I had to pull up this character from... He's credited to, as the stranger in this. I had to pull up the stranger in this. And I was like, oh, good, different guy. White men just look alike to me. Yeah, this is Enon uh, <laughs> Bailey, who is just... He's cute. But I, I, I didn't I, look at his face when he was walking back towards the motorcycle, but I did when I rebounded. it. I had a moment of panic where I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Do we have PTSD texter here? Oh, God. But it's not him. It is another guy who is very handsome. And as far as we know, uh, not a wannabe cannibal who gives his ex-girlfriend's PTSD. Yes. So that's that's nice. Uh, <laughs> um. So I'm sure that will be interesting, and I'm sure it doesn't relate to anything we've already seen in the episode. And I, you know, I'm just going to say, as someone named Mads, I'm really happy there's a new cannibal in town. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, you know. Okay. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, our last little tidbit that we liked is Mary Margaret and Emma have a lot of really good scenes in this one. And... Mary Margaret has to pull Emma back down to ground level a few times when Emma is trying so desperately to keep these kids together. She's suggesting maybe they can hide two 12 year olds for a little while till they find them a family. And Mary Margaret's having to be like, you can't do that right now. This is our only option. We got to send them to the foster care. Regina's going to make sure you do it. Mm-hmm. And after all that happens, uh, they're having a calm. Oop, my computer just went into. Okay, there we go. They're having mm-hmm. a calm moment. They're decompressing from the day. And Mary Margaret goes, did you ever find your family? She's like, no, I think I'm going to give up on that. And Mary Margaret's trying to convince her not to. And Emma says a very sad thing, which is if they wanted me to find them, they wouldn't have made it so hard to look. Yeah. Um, and Mary Margaret says there could be something out there. It could be something crazy. And Emma goes, well, it can't be any any crazier than uh, Henry's theory. Oh, what's that? Well, Henry's theory is that my parents put me in a magic tree trunk and sent me to this world to save me. Oh, well, who's your parents? Oh, it's just you. You know, Snow White. (laughs) 
I like how pleased she is at that reaction. (laughs) You do have my chin. She's like, you think I'd remember having a kid? She's like, yeah, you would, right? You do have my chin. (laughs) She she thinks it's funny. She thinks it's funny and she thinks it's sweet. And Emma leaves to go get a breath of fresh air to go out to her sheriff mobile and look look at her, her headline folder. And as Emma's like getting ready to have supper, she looks on the counter where, or Mary Margaret looks on the counter and sees Emma left her blanket out. Mm-hmm. And she's momentarily freaked out by this blanket. Yeah, there's like, it clicks for her slightly. Sort of. Because um, the curse is maybe beginning to break. She even does the thing where she like smells it. And has a moment where she almost remembers something. And then she remembers herself. This is one of Emma's personal items and she puts it away. But she's obviously freaked out and confused. And it's, it's that, that curse is rattling loose. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I thought that was a sweet, fun moment. Like finally she actually told her that, she, oh yeah, I'm Snow White's kid. Thankfully she didn't yeah. say who the father was. Yeah, <laughs> let's sure not. Two and two together. <laughs> yeah. We'll have enough of that next week. We'll have enough of that next week. I haven't watched next week's episode yet. I know you accidentally saw the end because you woke up. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, to, 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 to take my notes down, which is probably part of why I'm so scattered this week. Uh, but to take my notes down, I started rewatching this episode right before we started recording. And I conked out, woke up at the end of next episode. And I was just like, wait, what is happening? It took me a minute to even realize I'd fallen asleep. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right. So, out of a rating, uh, we'll get we'll get to best dress and all that in a second. But out of a rating of five butter roasted children, mm-hmm. what would you rate this show? Um, personally, I would have gone with gravy. <laughs> so I'm going to give it four gravy basted children out of five. I agree, uh, but I am going to do four butter roasted children out of five. I have a preference. Oh, yeah, God, you know. <laughs> Sorry, marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed this episode. It was nice to see. That first- <laughs> Sorry. What? Elaine has a baby in the oven right now. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Marshmallow. Marshmallow is our nickname. Um, and uh, it was it was nice to have an episode that got back to the the past of the residents and the curse and seeing yes. the curse get broken bit by bit is very nice. And uh, having someone roll into town is just further evidence that the curse is breaking and stuff's happening. Uh, best dressed. Best dressed. Um, actually this week I, I did like, I liked Emma Caulfield, but I'm giving it to Regina this week. Uh, mismatched ponytail aside, those cobalt buttons were so striking, <laughs> uh, with her black outfit. I loved the pants she had and like the, the, the wide, the wide hips that they had like padded with her. I, I thought her costume was so good this week. I, I mean, her costume was good, but I'm going to say, I don't know. It felt like more of the same to me. I felt like more of the same. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to um, the O-Face Blind Witch. The O-Face Blind Witch. O-Face okay. Blind Witch. Because I just loved that lace neck detail and her crazy hair and her like her white contact lenses. I just loved that whole look. Um, she did she did creepy evil witch who wants to eat you in a different way. And I appreciated the whole aesthetic. Yeah. I, I loved her hair. Yes. How crazy they made her hair for that. Yes. And... Um, I do want that choker. 
Yes. So uh, right. I, I respect your decision. Huh? I think next week we're going to have, it's going to get, it's going to get intense because Ruby is in next week. Oh God, Ruby. We're going to have to do next best dressed again, aren't we? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so okay. I liked this episode. Um, I'm happy it had a happy ending. And uh, I look forward to seeing what mess we get into next week. I think that's all the time we have this week. We we had a nice tight episode with a, with a good, a lot of good fun. If you want to follow us and learn a little bit more about the show and keep up with us, be sure to send any questions. We'll read them right here on the podcast. You can send them to us at StoryBrokePod on Twitter. Yes. You can find me online at Thirsty for Naps. Uh, just don't. Just don't find me online right now. It's all it's all retweets about the state of the government and also pregnancy tidbits right now. So don't worry about it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, real talk, I haven't touched my regular account, and it's just me retweeting Final Fantasy memes on my Final Fantasy account uh, that I made you, you, because I was boring all my normal friends. You are welcome to follow me at Mikathud at Twitter, uh, M-I-C-K-A-T-H-U-D, but you don't have to. <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely send us your questions. So at Storybrook Pod, uh, remember if you tell us about the show, give us give us a, a little rating or review wherever you find this podcast. It helps us move up in the charts, and that helps more people find the show. This is a little small production of just uh, two friends talking about a show that went off the air a decade ago because we love hate it. Yeah, and we can't do this without you and your support. So. I think that's all the time we have. Okay. And this has been Storybroke. Miserably ever after. I'm a little all over the place today.